Now, Asia First on CNA 938. So retrenchments have been uh, quite an important and significant topic mm-hmm. uh, these past few weeks, even being mentioned in the budget 2024. Yes. Uh, just to give you some figures, uh, the official data shows that the number of retrenchments in Singapore last year uh, more than doubled to 14,320. Uh, that's compared with 6,440 in the year before. Yeah, and technological changes bring about more churn in the economy. Mm. Uh, DPM and Finance Minister Lawrence Wong said this in his budget speech last week. Now, experts uh, expect more workers will lose their jobs in the coming months. Mm. Well, a recent commentary on CNA.Asia explores how retrenched workers can try to get back on their feet because it really isn't the end of the road. But as the author writes, being capable, hardworking and having a long list of work achievements are no longer a guarantee for job security. So, what then works? Joining us on Asia First now is Ian Tan, Strategic Communications Lecturer at the Wee Kim Wee School of Communication and Information at NTU. He is the author of that commentary. It's entitled, As Retrenchments Rise in Singapore, Only the Paranoid Will Survive. Ian, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Hey, Andrea. Hey, Susan. Good morning. Good morning. So in your commentary, Ian, uh, you quoted Intel founder Andy Grove's book entitled, Only the Paranoid Survive. So... Help us understand, in the context of retrenched workers, what does being paranoid actually mean? It was coined for business leaders in the past to always look ahead at what might disrupt their business. So this was um, from Intel, from Andy Grove, and many business leaders uh, have used this to help propel their businesses and pivot repeatedly, right? For example, uh, companies uh, like Netflix went from being a DVD delivery service into now a streaming business. The same principle uh, of always finding what is the new technology that people would be using in the next few years or next decade, and how do we take advantage of it or how are we going to be wiped out by it? So we have to uh, be paranoid in sort of a positive way, right? I think people uh, associate being paranoid as being a very negative yeah. term. Yeah, so so when uh, when something new appears, uh, do we brush it off or do we get worried about it or do we embrace it and say, okay, if, if the world is going to go this way, what am I going to do about it? Right. Mm. That's the healthy way of looking at the word paranoia. I wonder whether or not in the local context, Gasu would be a term <laughs> we could use here. Yeah, uh, it's a form yes. of paranoia, right? Yeah, isn't it? It, it is, um, but the Kiasu mindset, right? Uh, maybe I bring in uh, another uh, another framework, right? Which is the abundance mindset and the ah, scarcity mindset. Okay. Mm, I, yes. I think many people have heard of this, right? Yes, yes. So the, the scarcity mindset is when you believe there's only a limited amount of resources and that if I don't grab all this for myself, uh, I'm, uh, you know, there you're not going to take it away from me. I, I want it all for, mm. for me and my family, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and because it's limited resources. The abundance mindset tells us that there's more for everyone as long as we find meaningful work and we help each other out, right? Everything will be okay. And, and you know, it's, uh, it's a very positive kind of approach uh, to competition, mm. right? So, so this is um, where people sometimes uh, don't realize that uh, new jobs are being created all the time. Right, as old jobs disappear or become obsolete. And do you 
think about uh, do you focus on the jobs that disappear or do you focus on the jobs that are appearing, right? And what can you do about it? Uh, do you have the opportunity to take up these new roles and new sectors, right? So that is uh, thinking forward and thinking that, okay, there's going to be enough for everybody as long as we all work together. Yeah, so this next point is then important because you also said in your commentary that you know people who are capable, hardworking, have a long list of work achievements and yet these qualities do not guarantee a secure job. So in today's uh, day and age where things are changing so rapidly, what can we do to guarantee job security? And perhaps more importantly, if we take a few steps back, how do we train our children for jobs that don't exist today? Okay, so the first thing about job security, I think that word may not be uh, a word we should use very often from now on. Yes, <laughs> yes. Just assume <laughs> there's no... Yes. <laughs> Job security, uh, things have changed. It's no longer our parents' generation yes. or the or the people before them. Mm -hmm. And the main reason is the due to the, the speed of advancement of technology that keeps um, accelerating. And you've seen um, you know, we went, we took 10 years to go from uh, phones to an iPhone, right? From the dummy phones to our iPhone. And then after that, from a phone to an iPad and from iPad to the other new technologies like social media and so on that have come about, the, the, the gap between leaps in technology have become shorter. Mm. And as a result, jobs get disrupted faster and so do sectors. Uh, so that's how I think uh, we should just not use the word job security anymore, right? Mm. We should just maybe think of a new word like... Um, um, how do we embrace uh, new adventures yeah. and how are we uh, enjoying our current adventure rather than thinking I'm going to stay in this spot and <laughs> you know run on the treadmill <laughs> for the next 20 years right yeah. it's not it's not going to be viable for most people yeah uh, this, yeah uh, the second question, uh, how do we train our children, right? That's kind of interesting. Um, my children, uh, they'll be 21 and 19 this year. Mm. Uh, they'll enter the... Uh, one has already started uh, in the workforce, right? And the other one will be entering university. So I have... Firstly, I've never uh, pressured them to go into any particular job mm. or career, right? Uh, I tell them to look at what they like to do what they are good at, right? Uh, or what they would like to be good at. And are they willing to put in the hard work and just go for it? Because, um, you know, my daughter uh, is going to the university and trying to figure out uh, which course, which faculty to mm, go yeah. into. I said, frankly, it may not matter because yeah. in four, four years' time, right, uh, the industry, the world will have changed again. Yes. What's most important, you go to school and you expand your mind and you learn how to be open-minded mm. and learn new skills and learn how to network with people and build up your hard skills and soft skills at the same time. Mm. I think this uh, approach to education would be more constructive mm. to young people today rather than saying, okay, um, we're going to bet on this particular yes. uh, industry yeah. and you know, let's all go into this. And in five years' time, if things change, what happens, right? So yeah, you, you, exactly. know, you could set up a young person for disappointment that way. Yes. Yeah, and I, th I think it's about teaching them to be nimble, to yeah. be versatile, resilient, and, and really just to be able to adapt to any new situation. I think that those really are the key um, aspects that you and characteristics yeah. that you need to learn today. And to build a network. Yeah. That's very important, I mm. think, Ian. Yeah. Yes, yes. And I encourage my students to go onto LinkedIn um, and start making friends. 
Yeah, and, and they have these tools at these at their disposal. Back That's in the right. day, we didn't, didn't have, have any of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what what great tools we have today? We have great learning tools like yes. YouTube uh, and learning websites like Udemy uh, and so on. These are things that our generation didn't have. We who are middle age, and I'm so glad that we have these today because. You can learn whatever you want to learn. Yeah. It's just a few mouse clicks away. Exactly. But the thing is here, Ian, that um, not everyone thinks the same way. Not everyone has the same gumption, the same determination uh, to go and explore these tools. Not everyone has the same level of curiosity even. Your own experience tells us that you've you know, leveraged tools like Skills Future to upskill yourself. It seems that you're the minority here. What do you think is behind this resistance and how can people be encouraged to identify and utilise these tools and be encouraged to explore them, be more curious? Mm -hmm. So I see two factors here, right? Firstly, everybody's working very hard and they are just, you know, swamped with responsibilities at work. Mm. And it is... It is easy to say, to tell someone you should be exploring your future, looking for new courses to go to. But I know it, they know it, that we are so busy with work all the time and we just want to get home and have a good sleep, right? So the, the work that we do, right, is strenuous uh, for many people out there. Mm. And then, so the next factor is the role of a manager, right? So... Um, how are managers helping their teams to carve out time to build up their skill sets and their future careers? So when I was working in the IT industry, right, and I worked there for about 15 years, when I had teams under me, when I had people to manage, I would tell them that, please always think about what is the role you want to do in two to three years' time, the next role that you want to do, and what are the skill sets you need to have in order to take up the next role and what is the gap between the skills you have now and the skills you need in the future mm. so let's work on it right and i encourage them to take my job right because i wanted to move on to another role <laughs> in the future as well I didn't it's want a to cycle the of role. life isn't it yes and i told them you know it's fine if you have better opportunities in another team or even outside the company it means that you you know i've done my job to build you up as uh, you know, as a good contributor to the company. So if if a manager does his job, it is natural that the employees, the subordinates, will get better at what they do, mm. and thus they have more career prospects. So this is a, a positive way of managing, which I, I think not everybody subscribes to. Mm. Uh, managers sometimes just want to keep people, uh, you know, working in the same team for the longest time. And I always told. I always told my team, please build yourself up and let me know how I can help so that we all have a brighter future instead, mm. right? And, and this is the, the kind of mentality that I think managers need to have today to have an abundance mindset, help their people build their future and they themselves will find the time to grow their own future as well. Mm. Let's take a step back, Ian, and uh, talk about retrenchment. Are we able to recognize an increased risk of retrenchment, whatever industry we're in? I mean, can we spot you know, changes in an organization's performance structure, communication that could perhaps signal that retrenchment's on the way? In general, if a company is not doing well, it's not meeting its targets, or the revenue is declining over time, that is a very clear sign 
something may happen soon, right? Whether you get cut or not uh, in your particular job is another question. Mm. So some companies have a culture where they, um, they focus on reducing expenses and that means cutting stuff. Other companies may have a different mindset. The leadership may say, okay, let's go drive more business and let's bootstrap stuff uh, and try to keep our stuff uh, and I mean, keep our employees, right? And this is uh, what we need to recognize. What kind of company do we work in? Uh, what is the leadership style and how does that affect me as an employee? So retrenchment decisions, I've been on both sides of the pond, right? I've been retrenched. Mm -hmm. I've also been planning retrenchment right, in management mm -hmm. uh, and executed retrenchment as well. So I know that um, you know leadership is very uncomfortable with having to retrench people. It's not a nice thing to do. Yeah. Nobody wants to do it. And it's often done very... Uh, secretly and 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 done as quickly as possible, yeah. so as to reduce pain for, um, you know the the retrenchees, right? And the re the retrenched people are often kept in the dark and they don't see it coming. Yeah. But that's it. In my last role, right, where I got retrenched, I saw it coming, about six months ahead. Mm. Our business was not doing great. Mm -hmm. I told my team, okay folks were going to be at risk of being retrenched. Mm -hmm. So as a manager, I was trying to prepare them. They didn't believe me, of course. I said, <laughs> you know, you know, let's get ready in case anything happens, right? It's not your fault, right? Yeah. Uh, and it is is this matter of uh, business conditions and let's do the best we can, right? To turn the tide. So, so this is, uh, if you are uh, sort of aware of how the company's business performance is, uh, you would start to sense if, danger is coming mm. and but that's it right regardless of how the company is doing we should always be thinking of what is the next adventure that i would like to have in two to three years time yeah. or maybe the next year right and not worry too much about uh, am i going to lose my job because if you lose your job it may or may not be your fault but you shouldn't dwell on that. You should be thinking, have I created opportunities for myself in the future mm. that I will enjoy and that I will find meaning in? So no matter what happens to uh, you at this point, you would still be able to say, okay, I have a plan B or plan C and let me roll that out right now. Yeah. I and think that's how people should approach it. Yeah, it's all about the mindset shift. Yeah. I think that's mm -hmm. what you're trying to say. And, and retrenchments are not always, you know, the end of the road, the the glue, the doom and gloom. There mm -hmm. are opportunities that yeah. await, you know, one door, op one door closes, another one opens. Absolutely. It might be a window, might be a back door. Who knows, right? Mm -hmm. yes, <laughs> yeah. Ian, uh, always appreciate your commentaries on CNA.Asia and we always appreciate having you on our show to talk about them. Thank you so much uh, for spending this time with us this morning. Uh, you have a good weekend ahead, okay? Yep. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you, Susan. Thank Take you. Care. That's okay. Ian Tan. He's a strategic communications lecturer at the Wee Kim Wee School of Communication and Information at NTU. Uh, he's the author of the commentary, As Retrenchments Rise in Singapore, Only the Paranoid Will Survive. Go check it out. Uh, his definition of paranoid, really quite different from what you think about.